Hello, beloved. Welcome to My Strength and My Shield, a podcast about spiritual and self-care. This is episode number five, the one about being black and tired. I hope that this episode finds you well. I apologize for the delay in getting this episode out. I initially had an entirely different topic that I wanted to discuss, and I will be posting that episode because I did work on it and I do wanna share that message with you all. But I found myself today after going to church and also after having the pleasure of listening to Solange's new album of having a moment with God that told me that I needed to talk about something else. So this episode is going to be a little different. I want to put the disclaimer that this episode might not be for everyone. Of course, I'm going to still provide information about spiritual care, self-care, and also answer a email or a message that I received on Tumblr. So that's not going to change. But the tone might be a little different. And this episode is going to be a little bit more of me sharing my thoughts. I hope that in this episode, you'll find something that you can relate to. Maybe some of the ways that I feel and the thoughts that I have will resonate with you. And even if not, maybe hearing somebody else's perspective may speak to your spirit as well. Either way, I hope you enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to getting into this topic that has been very heavy on my heart. As always, I'm going to start with a prayer. So if you could just close your eyes uh, or even just lend your spirit to me so that we can pray and begin this conversation. Dear Lord, thank you for giving us an opportunity to meet, to fellowship, to discuss, and to wonder about our place in this world. I'm not gonna lie, dear Lord, I'm coming to you with a heavy heart because I am tired. I am tired, I am tired, I am tired. I know that I'm not alone in this frustration, so I pray that in speaking about the things that are heavy on my heart, that I'm able to connect with others, that they're able to hear the words that I say and to feel why my heart is heavy, and maybe we can fellowship in sharing this feeling of tiredness and exhaustion. I pray that as we have this conversation that we never forget how important it is to lean on you, to cast our burdens on you, because sometimes the world makes us feel so tired and we know that by placing those burdens on you, we're, we can feel a little bit lighter. I pray that you remind us how important it is to take care of ourselves, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, because sometimes just living life can be so exhausting. But more than anything, dear Lord, I pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving because I'm so thankful to you for making me black and beautiful. And I pray that you allow all of us to learn to open our eyes to see the beauty in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As always, part one of this episode is going to focus on some spiritual work. Now, I did mention that this episode was going to be a little bit different, but uh, there is a worksheet up on www.mystrengthandmyshield.com. On the worksheet, you will find the usual sections, including some Bible verses that I think would be helpful for you to look over. Um, I'm going to try to touch on some of them, and it might not be exactly in order, but even if I don't get to all of the Bible verses, I encourage you to read them. 
I find that when dealing with heavy topics, it's important for me to ground my healing in the word. Because a part of processing how I feel is having a conversation with God. And there are times when I just get so frustrated that I'm just like, why? You know? And being able to read the word and to just have a couple of passages that speak to my spirit, it's always a source of comfort in letting me know that no matter what I'm going through, I can always turn to God. So be sure to check out the worksheet and feel free to look along as we go through this episode um, or just listen because this is going to be more of a conversational episode than ones in the past. I thought I'd begin by just explaining how I got to the topic at hand for today. Um, As many of you may know, I just completed my second week of work as a criminal defense attorney in New York. And it has been such a blessing to be able to work in an environment where (laughs) I don't know, I don't want to say that everyone I work with is woke, (laughs) but I think um, for the people who pick this kind of career, it's important that they understand just how messed up the criminal justice system is. So it's been refreshing to be able to walk into a work environment where I can say, this is messed up. And everyone around me just gets it. They just understand how racist this this system is and how um, the prison-to-pipeline system works. One of my friends um, asked me how my first day of work was, and the words that I used was, it felt like I was coming home. I truly feel like I have this opportunity to make a difference and to use the gift, talents, and abilities that God has given me to make a change. And it's a small change, you know, there's a lot of policy reform that has to be done, but it does feel good to get my hands dirty and to help out my community. That being said, it's been an amazing two weeks and I have been extremely excited and happy and feeling fulfilled, but I cannot help but still feel tired. The work that I do directly deals with, as I said, the criminal justice system and the clients that I work with, they are indigent. So it's the poor black folk. Those are the kids and the the adults that I represent. And one of the things that kind of just sticks out to me every day that I go to work is just how um, there's a phrase that basically goes, you know, there but there but for the grace of God go I. And I think about how but for certain events happening in my life that I could have ended up in the same situations that some of the people who I represent are in. And it's hard to work in this field and not to see the direct result of over-policing in the communities that I represent. Furthermore, I live in a area of Brooklyn that is... um, I don't want to say that it's the hood, but it's not the best part of Brooklyn. And I have so many vivid memories of trying to take the L train and going to the Rockaway Parkway station and just having police officers everywhere, um, asking questions of people who are just trying to go through their day of work. I've seen police officers accosting young men and asking them questions. I've been in situations where um, if I was driving my father's car and um, you know, having a police officer pull me over and ask me questions about if this car belongs to me, just because it's a nice car and in the area that I live in, you sometimes don't see cars like that. 
I grew up in an area that is heavily policed and you can feel the police presence and there's no way that you can deny that these officers are here because of the way that you look and the people in your community that they they deem them to be problems. That before you even open your mouth, there are police officers that are walking around that assume that you're a suspect. And it's interesting because when I tell people that I'm a criminal defense attorney, you know, they'll sometimes be like, how could you, how could you represent criminals, right? Like that's the first question that I get. But when you work in a field like I work and you're representing people that look like they could be my aunt or my uncle or my little cousin or my brother or my sister, you realize that you're not representing criminals. You're representing people, people who have been accused. And sometimes they are guilty, but sometimes they are not. And you know that even the people who are guilty are being overly persecuted and overly sentenced and disregarded by society. And you know that sometimes they just need an advocate to make sure that the punishment fits the crime. My job as a defense attorney is not to just get people off or have them get away with murder. You know, it's, it's to make sure that this society and this system that inherently targets, you know, people of color, specifically black men and women and brown men and women uh, and those who are indigent that overly polices them. Um, so my job is to balance the system. You know, the judges are against my clients. The prosecutors are against my clients. The police are against my client. My job is just to be there for people that are going through what is often the worst day of their life. So how do we get to this topic, right? The topic of being black and tired. Well, I'm a black woman and I am tired. I am so tired of turning on the TV and seeing another black man or black woman or black child or even more recently, even a white child that's being killed by police officers who are trigger happy, who are improperly trained, who have issues, who are bullies with guns. I'm exhausted by it. I'm exhausted by feeling like the people that look like me are targeted literally targeted in a way that can only be described as genocide and execution. And when you think about things like mass incarceration and all the things that happen to our community just from the criminal justice system, that's not even to go into the discrimination that we face when we go to work, the discrimination if you're trying to apply for a loan or for housing, or any of the myriad of ways that we are improperly um, represented or denied human rights just because of the basis of the color of our skin. It is hard to know that and to not be exhausted. I have a lot of friends who are black, who are activists, who um, want to fight the good fight but still find themselves to be tired. One of the things that I love about some of the friends that I have and including my boyfriend who works in um, communities that are low income, that have poor black and brown kids, is the, the power and the energy and the desire to fight the good fight. It's something that drives me as well. But it's important that I acknowledge that doing this work can sometimes leave you exhausted. Even if you're a person that doesn't work in the criminal justice system, if you're just a black person going about their day-to-day -day lives, it makes sense to sometimes just be tired it doesn't seem fair and it doesn't seem right. And I think that it's natural to even, even as a Christian, to sometimes look to God and say, why? 
Why have we been persecuted for so long? Why does it seem like this system is always set up to make us fail? Why is it so difficult for us? Why do we have to work twice as hard to get half as far as um, our white counterparts? Why? It doesn't seem to make sense. And I'm not ever going to be the kind of person that thinks that if you're, a, if you're asking questions of God, it means you're a bad Christian. If anything, I think that any trouble that you have that you would talk to with a friend or a family member or a significant other is a problem that you should be bringing to God. Because there's no issue that we're going through that is too big for God. A lot of the times when I find struggle in what's going on with um, you know, my community and people of my color, I think about how God's testimony and how we're taught through the story of Exodus and you know the Jews who were persecuted in Egypt and how it felt like they had nowhere to turn to and God provided a way. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that you know the there will be a time when God when white people will be on top and and God will make sure that we're all powerful and I can't say those things and I can't even say that before I die I'll ever be able to see a society that is truly racially equal and representative and diverse, where um, in people in position of power look like me and are diverse and represent different kinds of people. I don't know if that's going to be a norm. You know, I think that I may be a little bit cynical or I think that I'm just realistic that I don't know if I'll ever be able to see a society where I can walk down the street and feel safe or when someone can, um, you know, have no doubt that the reason why they didn't get a job is not because they weren't they were black, but because of something else. Um, I don't know if I'll ever see that day. But I do know that reading the word provides me with comfort in knowing that no matter what troubles I'm going through, I can still turn to God. And I think it's important that if you're a Christian that's going through these these feelings of feeling tired, when you see over and over again, you know, images of, of black bodies in the street because of the violence, whether it be from gun violence in our own community or from police officers, it can feel like we're under attack. And we are. And I think that in those times, you should always turn to God. That doesn't mean that God is going to go ahead and give you a booming voice and explain to you why we're going through all the things that we're going through. Nor does it mean that an angel will come to you and tell you that tomorrow everything's going to be okay. Not saying that those things couldn't happen, but what I'm trying to say is if they don't happen, that shouldn't make you lose faith because God has a purpose for all of us. Sometimes we don't understand why things are so difficult or why we struggle, but we always know that through the struggle we grow and through the struggle we become better people and through the struggle we're better able to serve those around us because being a Christian means having an eye and a heart for service. So for me, for example, I grew up in a, in a community that was heavily policed and growing around other black folk that do not have a lot of money Growing up in that kind of environment, it was a struggle, but it also gave me the encouragement and the desire to do something about it, you know? And so it's important that you don't allow the frustrations of the world to cause a separation between you and God. If anything, allow this to be a time to pull closer to God, to turn to God and say that you're frustrated or that you're angry. Because you know what? Talking to God like that doesn't mean that you don't believe in God. It means that you trust God enough, God enough to know that you can share your emotions and cast your burdens on God and know that it will be taken care of. That's a different level of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth 
that is more than valuable. It's priceless to be able to be that close to God when you can not just come to him when things are good or when you want things, but when you can truly share your frustrations because God asks us continuously to cast our burdens on him. So for example, in Matthews eleven twenty eight. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That Bible verse basically just encourages you to be one of those people that seeks God when you feel like things are heavy and like you have this heavy burden on your spirit. Because God tells us to cast our burdens on him so that he can give us rest. Sometimes it can be so overwhelming to think about the racial injustice in this country. It can feel so heavy and it can feel so hopeless. Even in a job where I am representing people that look like me, there are moments where it can feel so hopeless because you deal with one client and then there's another and then there's another and you take a step back and realize that you may have, and listen, I'm just beginning, so I can't even imagine how it would feel after a couple of years, knowing that for each year you have about 80 to 100 clients. So hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming through the criminal justice system some of them that are doomed to come back and repeat it to you know picking up other charges it can feel so overwhelming but god is asking and begging for us to not keep that inside and the another reason why i pulled out this bible verse is because to a certain extent it talks about self-care you know that it's not good for us to keep our emotions inside and whether that's sharing that with family and friends or a counselor or sharing that with God that's a form of self-care I want you to see talking to God and praying as a form of self-care just like having bubble baths or just like lighting some candles or just like journaling praying can be a source of self-care because it not only works on your relationship with God but it sometimes just helps you to deal with those feelings that you've been bottling up for so, so, so long. And further, there's another Bible verse that's Isaiah 40, verse 30. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I turn to this Bible verse because there are moments when I feel like giving up. And there are feelings when I feel like I can't even walk and I'm just, I'm too weary and I can't go on. This Bible verse is a promise. It's a promise that being patient and resting in the Lord will mean that in the future, we will be able to not just walk, but run. That we will no longer be weary and we'll no longer feel faint. The reason why this Bible verse is so powerful to me is that, like I said, it's a promise. So even if I don't feel like, I'm at my best, or even when I feel like I am weary, it is a promise that tomorrow will get better, or if not tomorrow, next week, or the next month. It gives me hope that sometimes when these feelings are so overwhelming, it feels like there's nothing that I can do, or that I'll feel so low, and there's nowhere that I can go. But a Bible verse like this encourages me to know that if I got through today, I can get through tomorrow. And as long as I rest and I wait on the Lord, I know that I'll be giving the strength to move forward. 
But moreover, I think that one of the reasons why it's so frustrating to be black in this country is that it sometimes just feels like the world is unjust. And when is it going to be our time to be on top? Or when is it going to be our time to have other people suffer like we suffer? You know, and I can't be the only one that's felt that way. I can't be the only person that, you know, when you hear a white person talk about reverse racism, um, I can't be the only one that thinks that reverse racism would be if we enslaved you and did to you what you did to us. Now, even having those thoughts can sometimes feel really mean, but I have them from time to time. When I hear people saying that you know racism no longer exists and that black people should just get over it, and there's parts of me that wanna be like, you have no idea what it is like to live in this country. You have no idea what it is to be in um, a situation where you both love the people that are around you in the community that you have. Like you love being in this country because it's, it's the place that you were raised and it has all your friends and your family, but to also hate this country because you know that there are systems in place that makes it so difficult for people like you. There can be times when you just feel like, you know, when is God gonna pay attention to us? When are we gonna start to feel free? And so one of the Bible verses that I turned to were Deuteronomy 32, verse 36. And it says, For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. And when he sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining, bond or free. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone, and there is nothing, none remaining, bond or free. This Bible verse kind of just hits me right where I need it to hit. <laughs> but it, 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 it touches me in a way that um, it hit me profoundly. I'm, I'm stumbling over the words, but it's just because when I read this Bible verse, it hit me in a certain kind of way. Because when I do have those moments where I'm just like, wow, you have no idea what it's like to be a black person in this country. You know, reading the Bible verse and has it say that the Lord will vindicate his people and that he will have compassion for his, his servants. It reminds me, number one, that revenge and things like that are not something I need to concern myself with because God will take care of the evil people who do terrible things to us. Um, sometimes it seems like white people get away with things or white cops that kill black people just get away with it. Um, but God will take care of those things. God is a just God. And some of those evil thoughts we don't really need to occupy ourselves with because God, God takes care of those people. He takes care of the good and he also takes care of the bad. But second, it also talks about God having compassion for his servants. I think one of the most difficult things is when we begin to believe that just because life is hard, it means that God doesn't love us. But God does. Even when we're struggling, even when this, the society that we live in tell us that our black isn't beautiful, God offers compassion. And further, this, this verse also talks about when he sees that their power is gone. And it directly hits the, you know, the place in society that we are. When we talk about racism, we know that you cannot be racist if you don't have the power. And that means that while some people will think that black people can be racist, 
Um, you know, racism is a system of oppression. If you don't have a seat at that table, if you're not able to make the decisions of who the system affects, then it's not racism. So it's like this Bible verse is acknowledging, you know, there's a space where people feel like their power is gone, where they do not feel free. And at the end of the day, it's a comfort to know that the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion for his servants. And I consider myself to be a servant of God. And I consider myself to be a person that's ready and willing to do whatever I have to do to help others and to also make sure that I live in a society that makes me comfortable. I'll do whatever I have to do. But it gives me comfort to know that God isn't a, a God to turn his back on us, that God sees our struggles and that God wants to be there for us and that God offers compassion. So in totality, you know, I could go on and on about how frustrated I feel uh, um, being black in this society. There will be podcasts where I just talk about how important it is to seek God and to help with interpreting the Bible. I do want to get into more Bible study as we continue. And of course, if you have any suggestions for what you want to talk about, feel free to send them. But I would be remiss if I didn't use this podcast as an opportunity to talk about some of the social issues that are going on in our lives. Because while the Bible tells us to be in the world but not of it, we also know that the Bible calls us to pay attention to the world that's around us, to see what is going on. And being in the world but not of it doesn't just mean physically, like, don't be in the world and, and seclude yourself in the church. Being in the world but not of it means that you can look at the society and recognize what is wrong because God gives you a moral compass. God tells you what is right and wrong. The Bible is wrought with um, different verses that tell us that having people in bondage, slavery, injustice, um, you know, not being righteous, those things are all things that God despises. And so we know that as Christians, we know what's right and what's wrong. It is so important that in you understanding what is right and wrong, that you do not internalize what's going on in society to make you feel like it is your fault. Nobody deserves injustice. Nobody deserves to be targeted. There is nothing that black people are doing that means makes it so that they deserve to be targeted. Do not allow people to begin with that rhetoric of, well, what about black on black crime? Because it's garbage. Don't allow people to tell you, you know, how can we protest about them killing us, but we don't protest about us killing each other because that's garbage. There are black people who are dedicating their lives to talking about gun violence and gang violence and violence in our community. So don't let racist people or self-hating black people steer you away from the fact that there is a problem. There is a problem with people who are targeting black people. And there's a problem with people who refuse to have the conversation about the, the police brutality against black women as well. Because we know that there is no black lives matter if you're not including the lives of um black women or black folk who are not exactly respectable or black trans folk or people in the LGBT community in totality. There is no Black Lives Matter if you're not paying attention to the different ways that being black plus being something else means that you have an extra burden to, to, to deal with. Do not allow people to dictate to you what is justice. You know the difference between right and wrong. 
And I want to encourage you that while you're also um, praying about how frustrated you are, that you also arm yourself with knowledge. Learn the rhetoric, learn the ways to defend yourself if need be against a racist person who is telling you garbage about whether or not black lives matter. I cannot tell you how many messages I get on Tumblr of people trying to bait me into a discussion about black lives matter because what about the protests and when they get violent and you know Martin Luther King didn't die for this. All of that is trash. All of that is people trying to make you feel bad for standing up for yourself. But I also wanna encourage you to know that when you're tired and you're feeling exhausted and you just need some time, take that time. You do not have to fight every battle because being a person in this country that is targeted, whether it's because of your sexuality, because of your gender, or because of your race, it is exhausting and you do not owe anybody an explanation for your humanity. You do not owe anybody an explanation for your humanity. So if you needed someone to tell you, I give you permission to not engage in conversations that are gonna be taxing to your mental health. You do not have to handhold um, you know, people through the, the history of race in this country to justify why it's not okay for cops to kill unarmed black men and women and children. You don't have to be that person. If you want to be, go right ahead. If you have the energy to do so, there's nothing wrong with educating people around you. But I also know what it feels like to be exhausted explaining yourself over and over again because after you explain something to a person who's racist, you're gonna have to do the same thing to the next racist and the next and the next and the next. So I give you permission to take time to take care of yourself. Always prioritize your spiritual and mental health. Always prioritize your safety. If having an argument with a, a racist white person in a bar makes you feel unsafe, then don't have that conversation. If, having a converse, if you have a boss that's racist and you feel like having that conversation with your boss is gonna cost you your job, you're not selling out. You're protecting your livelihood. If things get bad, be sure to talk to HR and make a report or leave the job if you are able to do so. But if you don't feel like dealing with it, if you have to sometimes just smile and get through the workday, do what you have to do to make your life livable. Allow yourself the space to be stable. Do not allow other people to, to steal your peace by trying to rattle you on these issues. If you wanna talk about them, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. But most importantly, beloved, I encourage you that when you have these feelings to seek God, because I'm telling you that I have been tired. Even though I'm in a job that I love and I'm so happy to be where I am, I have felt tired. And I know that to continue to do the job that I have to do, I have to take a step back and I have to pray and I have to trust God and I have to lean on God and I have to trust the people that are around me and lean on my community. That's how I take care of myself. I see my spiritual work as self-care. And I know that in order to survive this messed up society, I have to make sure to prioritize my spiritual and mental health. And now on to part two of the podcast, which is self-care. 
If you look at the worksheet that I provided on www.mystrengthandmyshield.com, I've added a section called self-work, things to do when you're blank and tired. Today I spoke from the perspective just being black and tired, but there are so many things that you could classify yourself as that would add to you being tired, not just being tired at the end of a work day, but any of the personal struggles, excuse me, struggles that you may have, um, where you realize that the privilege that other people who don't have that same struggle experience and how that lack of privilege affects you. So I just added a couple of links and resources that I'm not sure if the link will come up if you click it, but you will you can always copy and paste it into your um, browser. But the first uh, suggestion that I I give you for things to do when you're blank and tired is to look at an activist guide to self-care. As I mentioned before, I have several friends who have struggled with wanting to do the, you know, fight the good fight, but also wanting to balance how to take care of themselves while doing that. So this guide is really helpful, really simple, everything from, you know, get water and have good sleep, but also something that a lot of people forget to do, which is to just take a step away from social media. Sometimes, you know, hearing another person who's been killed by the police officer, sometimes it can just be too much. And sometimes dealing with, um, you know, the discourse in quotation marks can be exhausting as well. So just allowing yourself the permission to take a step back and say, okay, I'll pick up fighting the good fight tomorrow, but today I need a, a day for myself. The second one is to listen to Solange's album, uh, A Seat at the Table. I have been in love with this album. It is literally the audio version of just vibes, pure vibes. It's a really awesome album that talks about, um, you know, being black and being proud of being black and also has a song that focuses on self-care, um, which I think is absolutely apropos to so many things that are going on in the world. It's so important to make sure that you take care of yourself while also celebrating the things that sometimes make your life difficult. You know, having that balance of both being proud of being black and dealing with the fact that being black may affect you differently than if you weren't black. It's, it's a lot to deal with. So it's a great album to listen to. And even if you're not black, I think you'd enjoy it. It's great. I love it. I love it a lot. <laughs> um, the second one is to support black businesses. So I give um, a website that you can go to. I think that one of the ways that we we can uplift ourselves is by uplifting each other. And especially when you know that there are certain systems such as the criminal justice system or the education system um, that just, or the political system and the disenfranchisement of black folk. It can be frustrating to know that there are so many systems that keeps us down by helping each other and supporting businesses economically. We allow for a, a bit of autonomy and independence from those systems that tie us down. So supporting black businesses is an awesome way to help other black folk navigate this world that often tells them that they're not good enough. So, you know, supporting each other financially is also a great thing to do. Uh, the fourth uh thing that I add is that there are some self-care apps that are great to have on your phone that can help you with stress. Everything from meditation to um, managing the your sleep patterns and things like that. Uh, just having apps on your phone, there's an app for everything, but this is a list of 50 self-help apps that can really just help you in your day-to-day -day navigation to make sure that self-care is an important part of any part of your day.
Uh, the fifth one I said is to start a daily devotional. I know for me every morning on the way to work, I have my Bible app. Um, and you can download any Bible app, but the one that I use is Uversion. And just being able to do a daily devotional, five to 10 minutes in the day, when I just pray, I read the word, I read the devotional, and then I go about my day. It's an excellent way to just give yourself the energy, especially when you know that it was difficult to just get out of bed that day. Um, it's great to just be able to you know, rely on the word as a great way to start the day. The next thing I said was to start a daily diary. I remember growing up having a million different diaries that I would start and never finish, and sometimes I would write in it, sometimes I wouldn't. I have started to journal again as an adult, and it is really just amazing to be able to have a space that's dedicated to just helping me deal with my emotions. And so sometimes it's great to talk to other people, and it's always a good idea to talk to God, but sometimes you just need to talk to yourself, and writing in your journal is a way to help you process some of the things that you're going through. The next link that I provide is um, taking some time to yourself, and this is about um, planning a staycation. I know that not everybody can afford a vacation, but it provides, I think it's seven tips on you know, how to plan a staycation, and it's so important to just take some time to yourself. I found that sometimes taking a step away from life and doing something as simple as exploring the city that I was born and raised in. There's so many parts of Brooklyn that I still haven't even seen. So, you know, going on a staycation, you know, taking a tour of the city, having some time to myself, going to a museum, those are forms of self-care. That's the work that you can do to invest into yourself, to give yourself some joy, some good memories, especially when you're struggling with some of the things and the realities that you're dealing with. The next thing that I say is to join a ministry that could be young adult, women's, men's, or a Bible study group. More recently, I have just uh, started to go to the women's ministry at my church. I have been involved in young adult ministries in the past, and sometimes I had this idea that joining the women's ministry, that's for older women. But I'm 27, and so technically I'm old too. <laughs> but um, joining a ministry is a great way to fellowship with other people. Sometimes it'll just remind you that you're not going through this alone. Um, being black or you know being marginalized, you can feel like you're by yourself and society is against you. And while society may be against you, it's great to be able to have a community of people that are for you. So I encourage you to join a, a, a ministry that can help you be grounded. And the last thing that I say is to do some community service. I have two links. One that is about um, a national service. So I, you know, depending on wherever you live, you may or may not have um, explored some community service in your area. So that website will give you links. Um, to national programs. Uh, but the, the last, the other one that I do is there is a, a network, it's called um, Diaspora Community Services, and that's specifically for people in Brooklyn, and their mission is um, to provide social support service for empowering families and individuals to maximize their ability to succeed through culturally sensitive health promotions, family support services, and advocacy. It's a great website because it's specifically a, a group focusing on doing community service within the diaspora, within helping um, the different black communities, especially in Brooklyn. So if you're someone that's in New York, I would really encourage you to check out that website. But again, I also have another link for national community service. Um, it may seem odd that I'm telling you to take care of yourself, but also telling you to do community service. 
one of the things that I found that when I do feel alone and when I do feel like the world is against me, getting involved in my community can remind me that the world is bigger than myself and that even when it's hard for me, there's other, always other people that are suffering more. And although we don't have to play the suffering Olympics, it can put things in perspective and can also empower you, you know, that you may not be able to fix everything. You may not be able to save every black life. Um, and even having that perspective can be overwhelming to feel like you have to save the world. But just doing community service, you really do feel empowered to do what you can with the energy that you have. So I hope that that section, you know, it's just a bunch of resources. It's something that I think you can explore and maybe find one or two things to help you with self-care. If you have any suggestions for other things that you think I should add, um, you know, don't hesitate to shoot me an evil, uh, evil, <laughs> an email at strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com and I can share the resources with other people. Last but not least, I'm going to answer a question that I received from Tumblr, and here we go. This person writes, I've really enjoyed your posts on discernment. It's something I still struggle with, especially in regards to relationship. Discerning a relationship is healthy, whether it gives me energy and purpose, or whether it exhausts me. I would love to hear more about your own process of discernment on your podcast. I do anticipate doing a podcast um, on its own about discernment, and I probably will do one about discerning in a relationship as well. But just to you know, begin that conversation, the Bible talks about the spiritual gift of discernment. And when we think of discernment, think of it as you know the word distinguish, right? So basically being able to judge or assess a person or a situation or an environment and being able to distinguish, you know, in the majority way that we talk about is distinguishing between good and evil. And so the, the Bible talks about it as a spiritual gift, specifically because in order to have discernment, you kind of have to be spiritually in tune with yourself and with God. So being a Christian means that by virtue of reading the word and understanding who God is, we're able to decide what is good and what is evil. We're supposed to be able to tell what is of God and what is not of God. So that can be applied to any situation. You can have a friendship, and then when you have the spiritual gift of discernment, you can see that this friend is not of God, that this person is of evil. And you can have the same situation when you're at work. If someone is coming to you and asking you to do them a favor, you know, like they're pulling you to the side and asking them to do a favor, if what they're asking you to do doesn't sit right with your spiritual sense, then you can have this, you know, through the spiritual gift of discernment, you can decide, no, 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 this is of evil, not of good. So it's important that when we think of discernment, it's not just about deciding what is good and bad for you. It's literally a spiritual gift. So if we're going to talk about discernment, I have to first preface this by saying that you have to develop your moral compass through the lens of being a Christian. Because sometimes there are things that I do throughout the day and I realize that it doesn't sit right with me and it's because my foundation is grounded in God. So even if I don't have the specific scripture that tells me don't do this, I can feel within my spirit that this is not right. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not sure if that's not clear. So if it's not clear, be sure to send me a follow-up question either to Tumblr or to um, strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com. But, you know, the spiritual gift of discernment requires you to be in tune with your spirituality. That it's not just about deciding, you know, the the good stuff or, you know, what's going to make my life better. It's specifically a decision that leads you closer to God. So when we're thinking of what, what something or someone is of God, it's something or someone that brings you closer to God. That's how you know when something is of God. So when you're thinking about a relationship, right, like your discernment of whether or not this relationship is for you is whether or not this relationship brings you closer to or away from God. And that spiritual compass that you have will let you know if this person is a roadblock between you and God or if this relationship is helping you get closer to God. Um, but specifically, you know, you ask questions about whether a relationship is healthy, whether it gives you energy and purpose, or whether it exhausts you. I think that that's something that is a little bit different than spiritual discernment, and that's also going into you understanding what your needs are. Um, to be completely transparent, you know, no relationship is perfect. And I think that right now, one of the things that I have been struggling with is being a person that is so busy and I'm dating a person who is also busy is deciding, you know, what do I have the energy for? Is the relationship, you know, something that's great and giving me energy or is it taking away from energy? And it's the same thing with my job. Is it something that gives me energy or does it, is it something that exhausts me? And to me, you know, discernment means being able to decide whether or not the relationship is good for me and it brings me closer to God, you know, which is one thing. Like if the person you're with prays with you and does things with you, that's great. But if the relationship itself is taxing to the point where you find yourself not able to focus on work or school or your dreams or ambitions because you're focusing on your relationship, that can be a sign that the relationship is not healthy. If the relation, you know, I'm not going to be a person that says that a relationship doesn't require work. I do believe that there are seasons that you go through even, you know, as an individual or with somebody else, that sometimes there are seasons you get into that require more work to make it work. But if you feel like you're giving so much of yourself that you're not seeing the benefits, that your spirit is exhausted, that it's costing you the other parts of your life that are important, that can be a sign that it's not healthy. And one of the things that are difficult, you know, and why, and we'll talk about this stuff later, but when you're dealing with a relationship and deciding whether it is healthy or not, being able to have a clear mind that isn't clouded by things like lust or, you know, other things that are going on, it allows you to look at the relationship for what it is so you can see where the energy is coming from. Because if you're in a relationship where you get energy because of, you know, like just the sexual chemistry or because they satisfy your need for attention, that's one thing, but that doesn't necessarily add to your purpose. That doesn't necessarily add to a healthy relationship. So I, I kind of see your question as multifaceted, so it may seem like I'm kind of all over the place. But what I'm trying to say is that there is no cut and dry answer to whether or not a relationship is, um, like I can't just tell you, yes, your relationship is healthy or yes, it is giving you energy because you have to be in tune with your own spiritual needs and also what your heart requires. So if you're not, you know, if you know this relationship is putting in a lot of work, but you know that that work is going to pay off, 
then that's fine, you know? Or if you're with somebody that's also putting in the energy and you know that you're just in a season, that's fine. Um, but when you feel like you're giving so much of yourself that you feel like you can't function in other ways or that it's exhausting your ability to love, then I would say that that's not healthy. But at the end of the day, having discernment and being able to listen to God and be in tune with that moral compass that tells you whether or not the relationship is of God or if it is evil um, or taking you away from God, it's going to help you to make some of those decisions. So I hope that that helped. Um, I think the topic of discernment is huge, and I will go into it into future. future <laughs> excuse me, it's been a long recording session, um, but into future conversations, I definitely would like to have. But I hope that this, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I hope that it has answered your question. And if you have any follow up questions, be sure to send me a message either on Tumblr or via the email. So that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope that you have enjoyed um, episode five. I really do enjoy doing this podcast. Again, I, I apologize for the lateness of this episode. Um, you know, sometimes the spirit just moves you and I'm a person that will never say no. If God tells me to do something, I do it. So this was heavy on my heart. Um, it had been heavy for a couple of days in terms of, you know, just the, the work that I do, but also just being black in this country. It can be so exhausting. And I hope that it resonated with you. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always shoot me an email at strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com. You can send me a message on Tumblr at youngblackandvegan.tumblr.com. And if you have any suggestions or any comments, you can always go on SoundCloud and leave a comment. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking to you later. Until then, take care, beloved. <laughs>